from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Happy New Year. It's our first night back, 2024, and uh, there's a bunch of moving parts. The news continues to move. We're keeping you up to speed on everything that's happening in America at night. And one of the top things I want to talk about tonight is how the the media, the establishment, the left, the deep state, you name it, uh, those that oppose liberty are at... Are at um, at arms right now, right? They're on the move, and they're trying to keep Trump off the ballot in many, many different ways. And we um, we were scheduled to speak a little bit later, but he's got to catch a plane, so we had to move things around. So I'm going to forego my opening monologue and go straight into our, our first guest, who is Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, who's running for president. But yet he defends one of his opponents because he's a pretty fair guy, in my opinion. Um, let's go to Vivek Ramaswamy. How you doing? I'm doing great, brother. So... Let's um, let's let's get your take on this. I understand that uh, you've been out and I, I find it odd. I found it odd when Larry Elder did it. I find it odd when you do it. But I do think it's it's a fair thing to do that. You, you call things that are wrong, wrong and things that are right, right, even though you're running against Trump in the primary. And something that you've been uh, adamant about in in this race is how the, the media and others uh, that are enemies of Trump have been doing everything they can to get Trump away from the White House by hook or by crook. Tell us more. Yeah, look, I think this system has made it clear one way or another, they are not going to let Donald Trump get anywhere near the White House again. First, they started with different protests. Then they started with civil lawsuits. Then they went to state-level prosecutions. Then they went to federal prosecutions. Now they're literally taking steps to have him off the ballot without any prosecution. In a state like Maine, one individual just deciding it on a whim, mm-hmm. I think that's wrong. And if you look at the polls in places like Iowa right now, if you take Trump off the ballot, if you look at who's the second choice, I'd actually be winning this in a runaway election right now. So for me, it would be a lot easier if Donald Trump were not in this race. But what's the point of one of us winning or the other if we don't have free and fair elections in this country? America was founded on a couple of simple ideas. But one of them is that we, the people, get to decide who governs and leads our country. And if we lose that, then I don't think we have a country left. And so, yes, I stand on the side of principle, not just because it's about standing with Trump. It's about standing for how we even conduct elections in this country. It stands for who we are as Americans. And that's the principle I'm standing for. And so I said I would remove myself voluntarily from the ballots of states like Maine or Colorado if they remove Trump from the ballot. And I called on every other Republican to do the same thing. If DeSantis and Haley and Chris Christie did the same thing in Maine, then Maine would not count towards the GOP primary. That's how we protect ourselves against this form of election interference. But I do think that the other candidates haven't taken the same principled stand. And it shows that I think much of our GOP is in on the fix. And that's why I'm particularly disappointed in the establishment of the Republican Party. But I'm going to do the right thing either way. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy, 
why do you think that your your um, opponents in this, um, those you mentioned, Haley, Christie, uh, at all, why are they not taking the same approach? Your opinion. Well, look, I think that they're blatantly rooting for Donald Trump to be eliminated from this race. Even if you use the words of several of those competitors, they said they want to focus on collecting their delegates in places like Maine and Colorado. But I think that type of short-sightedness ultimately sacrifices the principle of what our country was founded on. And so I do think, I'm hopeful at least, voters understand and support candidates who don't just act in their short-run self-interest at the expense of the country, but instead vote for candidates who actually serve the country. But either way, I would rather lose an election and speak the truth than to win by playing some fake game of political snakes and ladders. But what I see based on voters across this country and across the state of Iowa where I am right now, what they want is a candidate who does speak the truth and who is actually grounded in principle. And I think that we're going to be successful in winning this election by staying true to that principle at every step of the way. Now, what's your take on on the outcome? Uh, Everybody's been hitting um, Iowa and New Hampshire what do you, what are your thoughts? Uh, obviously, you're rooting for Team Vivek, and that makes sense. Uh, but how do you see it um, unfolding? Yeah, look, I think I'm going to shock the expectations here in Iowa. The national media has me at fourth place. I think I have done more events than every one of the other candidates combined in Iowa, and I think that's going to shock the world. And I think that I'm going to eventually be the nominee by propelling myself forward coming out of here. But I do think that we live in a kind of 1776 moment right now. Where this election, it doesn't feel to me one of those elections that's about, you know, an argument about tax rates or some narrow policy. This is an election about who we are as Americans. What does it mean to be a citizen of this country? And these revolutions, these revivals, they tend to be led by the next generation. Thomas Jefferson, he was 33 years old when he wrote that Declaration of Independence. And he invented the swivel chair, actually, while he was at it. Well, you know what? I'm the youngest person ever to run for U.S. president as a Republican. I'm not doing it as a politician. I'm doing it as a businessman. I've built multi-billion dollar businesses. I understand the Constitution. And I think it's going to take a president who both is an outsider and is a businessman. I bring that, and admittedly, Trump brings that too. But also a president who knows and deeply understands the law and the Constitution in this country. And I think I'm the only candidate who brings both of those things. That's what it's going to take to actually shut down the deep state actually fire 75% of those federal bureaucrats, actually bring zero-based budgeting to Washington, D.C. to fight our national debt. And I do think I'm the only person who can accomplish that. Now, Vivek Ramaswamy, for people that are listening that say, you know what, I like this guy. I'm a Trump guy, but I like this guy. How do you sell somebody from the Trump column to the Ramaswamy column? People that say, he sounds too polished, he sounds too smooth, too good to be true. Well, look, I think that God puts each of us here for a purpose. Use the skills that God has given each of us. So there's a lot of skills I don't have. But if communicating our agenda and driving it into action is one of them, I'm going to use that for the benefit of this country. And what I would say is two things to somebody who's on the fence between Trump and me. First is I'm going further than Trump is with our own America First agenda. I've said anybody in this country who's here illegally will be deported and returned to their country of origin. I've told you exactly what the legal basis is. I've told you I would end birthright citizenship for the kids of illegal migrants. They duped Donald Trump and told him you need a constitutional amendment for that. Actually, read the 14th Amendment. All you need to do is swear an oath to the Constitution and keep it. Turns out that I would fire 75 percent of those bureaucrats 
They told Trump you couldn't fire those bureaucrats because of civil service protections. Read the law. Those don't apply to mass firings, and mass firings are what I'm bringing to the D.C. bureaucracy. So that's the first thing is I'm going further with America first than Trump. I'm the only person in this race who can even say that Ronna McDaniel should resign as the failed chairwoman of the RNC. Mm -hmm. That you know what? That I'll pardon every peaceful J6 protester on day one in office because that's the right thing to do. That I'm against the climate change agenda, which absolutely is a hoax. That I'll actually shut down the FBI. That I'm not just going to pay homage or say I'll I'll replace Christopher Ray. That doesn't work. You have to actually shut it down. And so in all of those ways, whether it's shutting down the deep state and actually standing for America first principles, I think I'm building on what Trump laid as a foundation, but going far further. The other thing I would say is open your eyes, people. Do you think they're going to let this man get anywhere near the White House? Do not fall into the trap they've laid for us. And I do believe they've laid a trap for us. They're selling us the rope today that they will use to hang us tomorrow. Do not buy it. They're not going to let this man come within spitting distance of the White House. These people will stop at nothing, and it's going to happen later this year. So don't look back in December and say we should have saw it coming. I'm the other America First candidate in this race. You've got the future of America First standing right here in front of you. We're in the middle of a war in this country. Pick the general, the commander-in-chief, who is not wounded in that war. We owe it to George Washington. We owe it to our founding fathers. America First didn't start in 2016. It started in 1776. We're 250 years in. It's the next 250 years ahead of us that we need to do this for. And our movement, the America First movement, cannot end with Donald Trump. He got this fight started, and we love him for it, but now it's our job to finish it. And that's why I'm in this, and I'm asking people to go for me to take that agenda further. We'll honor Trump's legacy, and I respect him because it's the right thing to do, unlike the other candidates. But I will take that legacy and that agenda far further with fresh legs. That's what this is going to take. Vivek Ramaswamy, I know you got to catch a plane, so I want to wrap up with this. Joe Biden, he's let this country down on so many different levels. Uh, Do you think he weathers the storm to make it to the general election? I don't think so. But I think that more importantly, there's other Trojan horses in this race, even in the Republican Party. You take the likes of Nikki Haley and others, look who they're propping up. So it's not a Republican versus Democrat point. I don't spend a lot of time bashing Joe Biden because I don't see the point of it. He's not really even the president right now. He is a puppet for the managerial class, for the establishment, for the deep state. And so whether it's Biden or the next puppet they trot out, whether it's Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama or Nikki Haley, for that matter, it doesn't quite matter. What really matters is you have a president who's willing to actually face down the deep state isn't a super PAC puppet. You don't want somebody who's bought and paid for. I'm not a pawn on a chessboard. My biggest donor is me. And that's what it's going to take for somebody who's going to stand up to that system. So as I said, there's two America first candidates. That's what it comes down to, Donald Trump and myself. But I think that if you want the person who they're actually not going to eliminate in one way or another in the coming month, and we get duped to fall for that trick, don't fall for the trick. We cannot fall that into that trap. And I think I am going to be the person who leads our America first movement and takes it far further than Donald Trump did. I respect him and love what he did for this country, but we're going to take that far further. And that's why I'm asking people to vote for me, starting in the Iowa caucus on January 15th. If we do that, then I'm confident that our country's best days, not in some cheesy politician way, but in a true way that our best days can actually 
be ahead of us. And I mean that. Well, Vivek Ramaswamy, I want to thank you for being here and sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, let everybody know how they could follow you and keep up to speed with everything you're up to. Sure. Vivek2024.com. That's V-I-V-E-K2024.com. And we're not going to stop till we get this job done. You're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Across America to the liberty loving Latino Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, it was a little cart before the horse there with uh, jumping into the interview before I got into my uh, welcome back monologue. But yes, welcome back. All of you wonderful listeners, I uh, kept in touch with a handful of you through comments and whatnot on the social media. And that was a real treat over the. Um, Christmas holiday and uh, New Year's holiday, and it was it was really nice. And I can tell you that the um, this has got to be one of the warmest uh, New Year's Eves and probably even Christmases that uh, I can remember. You know, being in the forties, it's probably been some some warmer ones, but for the most part, it was very warm. There was a little bit of snow. It's already January. Haven't seen snow yet, and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Nice time being with family and friends, and. There's uh, so much that we learn, right? We learn a lot. I, at least I do. I, I learn something new every day. I'm one of those. I'm inquisitive, and I take notes on everything so I could talk about it later on the radio, right? And something I saw the other day, uh, maybe you knew this, I don't know. Did you know that the federal government tests our sewage? Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that they did this, and I didn't know they did it for this purpose. They test our sewage in order to track diseases by community. So different uh, communities have different sewage treatment plants and they will check your wastewater. And it's called the National Wastewater Surveillance System. Mm -hmm. And the way I found this out was that there was a report um, that said, you know, um, viral levels of of. of, of COVID are, are high, very high in our wastewater. And I thought, how the hell would they know? And, and what is it? Like, if you go to the bathroom, COVID comes out in the bathroom. I, I had no idea. I, I just thought the whole thing was kind of silly. So I thought, you know, how would they even go about this? And I read and I read and I, I start seeing the citations that are quoted. And voila, there it is. There's an actual thing called the National Wastewater Surveillance System. And I thought, my goodness. You know, the things I have time to do when I'm not on the air. And I started reading about this and it it tests and detects traces of infectious diseases circulating in a given community, even if people don't have symptoms. Now, you can use this information as early as um, warning indicators start to surface that there might be an infection in your community. And it goes on and it tells more about what's happening and whatnot. But fascinating. I had no idea. You know, I really didn't. So 
the, the federal government has something called the National Wastewater Surveillance System. They're testing for COVID. And apparently there's a huge spike. Everybody's got COVID again. Now, I understand this to be an annual thing, right? And maybe it won't be forever, but COVID came and it killed a bunch of people. And they said it's here to stay, right? At least I believe somebody said that. Because cold and flu season is a season that's here every year kind of to stay, right? For whatever reason. There's a time in the year, temperature changes, this, that, and the third. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we're making it up. Maybe this is, you know, all a big, big plan from some evil doctors, you know, like uh, Klaus Schwab and others, <laughs> that they just start injecting this stuff into the air, you know, some bad juju. But for the most part, ever since I've been a kid, everybody gets that at cold once a year or people around you keep getting sick, whatever and whatnot. And that's the thing. So uh, that was something that I wasn't aware of. And I... Uh, Someone I, I would love to ask, Dr. Claudine Gay. She's the president of Harvard. Oh, snap. Wait, she used to be the president of Harvard. Uh, she's not anymore. She resigned. Well, why? Well, because she um, was caught up in this scandal. Now, the heat came on her originally because she made some comments that were um, pro-Hamas and not pro-Hamas, and she didn't support Israel enough. And the next thing you know... Um, they came after her saying that she was a plagiarist. And then not in one case, not in two cases, but in like, I don't know, 40 cases or something like that. I, I read, if I misread that, then forgive me. But I read multiple cases that there were issues of plagiarism. And then there was, there's the media coming to her defense saying, well, it's not like you, um, you know, it's not like she, she was stealing other people's ideas. It's that she was sloppy in how she cited her sources. <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh at that. Because while I understand the spirit of what they're saying, that's exactly what um, academia is all about, right? They, they, they throw the same book at you, whether you forget a parenthesis in, in an author reference or if you steal it from somebody. That's just literally how it was because I went to college and I, I remember those. That's how the rules were. So anyway, farewell, Claudine Gay. Harvard is going to get a new president. We also have got uh, Cardinal Dolan. He tells Biden to secure the border. We'll talk about the border a little bit more in a bit. Now, before we get into any of that stuff, I want to continue our discussion on the media, the deep state, what's going on in Iowa, New Hampshire, and the rest of uh, the news to catch up on in politics uh, nationally and maybe even locally in certain areas. But don't worry, there's more to come straight ahead. It's Rich Valdez. I'm back. Happy New Year. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. and reflect on 2023 what sort of of memories highlights stand out for you well one of the big highlights stands out for me is my dad used to have an expression he'd say joey a job's about a lot more than the paycheck it's about your dignity it's about respect so many people through the midwest and in the center of the country their their factories are shipped overseas the last couple times out and then they were losing hope and faith. So we brought a lot of jobs back to the United States. People are in a position to be able to make a living now. And uh, they've created a lot of jobs, over 14 million. And uh, I guess when I'm, I, I just feel good that the American people got up. They've been through a rough time with pandemic, but now we're coming back. They're back. They're back. They're back. I don't know who's back. I know I'm back. Happy New Year. Welcome back. It's great to be back. First live show of New Year. And that was Ryan Seacrest. You know, he's replaced Dick Clark on Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. And uh, I love watching that, by the way. I got to tell you, a lot of people, I watched it with some family. And my one brother, he was just like, oh, I can't. I hate these people. He, he just, he doesn't like any Hollywood. He doesn't like, if it's not country music, and he's not even a country music guy. He just thinks country music's the only music that still honors America. And uh, he just couldn't stand any of the artists or acts on there. And uh, it was just funny to watch. And anyway, that's Joe Biden and Ryan Seacrest. And uh, that's got to be a great gig, you know, on a quick aside, right? Being able to host American Idol, do a daily radio show, and then host this big New Year's Eve show. Sounds like a lot of fun. Looks like a lot of fun. If anybody's listening, I want to host a New Year's Eve show next year. If you're looking, I'm available. Anyway, so Joe Biden says we're back, we're back, we're back. And uh, I don't know if I believe that. I want to get with our friend Jennifer Kearns. Uh, to see if she believes that. And Jennifer Kearns, I think we have you on the line. Welcome. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. How are you doing? Hey, doing well. I I had the same thought as your brother as I was watching the Andy Cohen, Anderson Cooper uh, New Year's Eve show on CNN as they interviewed liberal after liberal after drag queen after drag queen. I thought, (laughs) why in the world do I watch this? (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. I know that 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 was the I I for whatever reason I I enjoy popular culture. I don't watch the Anderson Cooper show, but uh, I do um I do watch the Ryan Seacrest one, and I I thought the acts were great, and I enjoyed it. And then he was just so sour. He's like, "Ah, oh, this is garbage." And he eventually changed it to like the the party that was in Nashville that had a bunch of country acts and Leonard Skinner. And he's like, "I just more like it." <laughs> and I just thought that was funny. <laughs> he's become a grumpy old man, my my brother. Anyway, folks, Jennifer Kearns. Uh, is she's not only a former uh, spokesperson for the California Republican Party, but she is also the author of The Real War on Women, and she's the host of All American Radio. Now, Jen Kearns, um, give me your thoughts on what Joe Biden is uh, saying in this clip that we're back. Well, you know, he, he has wanted to say this, you know, to the American people that, you know, America is back, <laughs> our economy is back, our strength, uh, you know, globally is back. And, 
you know, you look around the world, look at what's happened with the October 7th attack on Israel, one of our greatest allies, uh, one of our biblical allies. Um, look at our response to that, you know, compare Joe Biden to Ronald Reagan the last time we had hostages in the Middle East. Uh, America certainly not back. Our foreign policy is not back. Our economy is just barely back. And what he's comparing it back to is the pandemic economy, the, you know, worst pandemic in 100 years. Um, to say that we're back in comparison to that is not really setting the bar that high, right? Uh, that yeah. was, a, you know, a, a disastrous uh, economy, a, a pandemic economy, a crisis economy. So the bar is pretty low over at the Democrat Party these days as to what back certainly is. And I thought this was so interesting, this new poll that came out just today with USA Today and Suffolk University shows that Joe Biden himself is not even back, uh, that uh, all of his <laughs> coalitions uh, that he had in 2020, uh, Rich, are actually falling apart. They're, they're not back and they're not coming back for Biden, uh, including one of his key constituencies. Remember, uh, the number one reason Biden made it through the Democrat primary in the first place was because he had the black vote, uh, because he had uh, the uh, endorsement of the prominent South Carolina uh, Congress member. Um, he had the backing of the black female vote. Th- those were three key things uh, that, that that sailed Joe Biden to the White House. And uh, USA Today and Suffolk University are reporting today in their poll, which is uh, highly accurate, um, says that um, his number one coalition, the black voter, has totally fallen apart on Joe Biden. And in fact, um, not only are black voters saying they're not going to support Joe Biden in 2024, uh, one in five of them uh, says they would actually vote for a third party candidate um, and, and only one in five would support Biden at all. So that means three out of five black voters, right, if you do the math there, uh, are going to sit the election out. And that is going to be catastrophic for Joe Biden. Now, I'll tell you who is back. That is Donald Trump, according to the same poll, USA Today, Suffolk County. Uh, Donald Trump has actually won one key constituency that the left loves to make fun of him for because of his uh, tough stance on the border. He is actually leading Biden in a Hispanic vote for the first time uh, in this election cycle. And so if you want to talk about who's back, looks like Trump is back, not Joe Biden. (laughs) <laughs> well, if you don't know if you're voting for Biden or for Trump, then you ain't black, Jennifer Kearns, right? I think that was a famous <laughs> line from Joe Biden. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, that's coming back to Biden. I could see that becoming a campaign ad very quickly. Yeah. Anyway. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this, the third group, the third demographic group that emerged in this poll, which I thought was so interesting, um, is the youth vote also is not sure they want to go with Biden. They are currently abstaining from saying who they want to support. I suspect uh, that's partly uh, caused by Gavin Newsom, you know, kind of playing footsie with the presidential race, going out there, talking about, you know, presidential and national issues. Um, But the youth vote, which was key for Joe Biden in 2020, look at the university vote that rolled out for him, uh, not just in 2020, but in the midterm elections over the Roe versus Wade thing. Um, the youth vote backing away from Joe Biden is really interesting. And, and um, I think you and I are going to talk about the, the primaries coming up. Uh, we can talk about how those will shape up for Biden. If you don't have the youth vote and you don't have the black vote and maybe you don't have the female vote, uh, it's going to make the Democrat primary very, very difficult for, for Joe Biden. And that may be part of the reason why he's not on the New Hampshire primary. 
Hmm. Well, that's interesting stuff. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I got to tell you, I've really never seen this play out this way where people were just not filing in certain states and not. I, I haven't seen that happen before. And Jen Kearns, I don't know how this plays out for, for me. <clears throat> I tend to think this to me means Joe Biden doesn't really plan on running for president. And when I think about that, then I think, who's it going to be? And everybody says it's, you know, the smooth daddy from your old neck of the woods, Gavin Newsom. However, <laughs> um, I think to myself, you know, where would I be if I didn't have, you know, uh, friends and family that were conspiracy theorists? And then I say, OK, they all say it's going to be Michelle Obama. And I'm caught between Gavin and Michelle and Joe El Baboso Biden. And I don't know where to go. What do you, who do you think becomes the nominee? Man, you know, this is this is really hard to determine, right, because you have Biden's camp uh, not filing for him to actually be on the New Hampshire primary ballot at all. And that right. is the New Hampshire's always been the first in the nation, you know, presidential primary. It kind of sets the tone that along with Iowa sets the tone as to who the nominee is going to be. So when that happened, I thought, hmm, why is the team doing that? Well, think of this. If your name is on the New Hampshire primary ballot and you win that primary, that that kind of forces you to go the distance for the entire uh, presidential race. And so I thought that tells me something about, you know, the longevity here, the, the plans of the Biden campaign, that maybe they're expecting for Joe Biden not to go all the way to uh, the presidential. And look at the rats that are, you know, fleeing this sinking ship. You look at David Axelrod. The, the comments he's made recently about, you know, hey, if Joe Biden can't bring his numbers up in the polls, maybe we ought to have a different candidate. Um, you know, who, who's to say how that will turn out? I think Michelle Obama is a real possibility. Uh, the reason I, I look toward that is look at the presence that the Obamas still have in the media. Uh, they are running, you know, documentaries about themselves. They are started a production company. They have a, a deal with Netflix. Um, these are people who have not retired, uh, right? Like presidents of the past have retired and kind of gone away and done their, you know, presidential library and foundations. These are people who are still very actively in the vernacular, in the pop culture, uh, and trying to still change the narrative about America and our past and our future. And so I think Michelle Obama is a viable option. Um, look, I think Gavin Newsom is too. Um, he claims, um, he says, he pledges um, that he met with Ron Klain and um, Susan Rice uh, last summer and uh, pledged to them that he would not run against Biden. But there was one caveat to that meeting that he would run if Biden wasn't going to be on the ballot. So I think you could see a scenario here, Rich, where if Biden ends up kind of getting pressured out of the race, you could see Gavin Newsom come in and say, hey, I'm living up to my word because Gavin is slick. You're right about that. Uh, Gavin could say, look, I'm living up to my word. I'm not running against him, but the party needs me now. He's off the ballot. He's off the ticket. I'm going to go in and run. And look, I can tell you, dating back 30 years in California politics, there are two people that have always competed for the same jobs, and their names are Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom. And so here we are again. Uh, it's like deja vu for those of us who've been in California politics, it's like, wow, here we are again. We might be in a scenario where those two are once again competing for maybe running for the top slot. It's pretty interesting. Jen Kearns, stand by. Folks, we're going to come right back. We're going to continue this conversation with Jennifer Kearns. Don't move a muscle. This is America at 
night with Rich Valdez. America at night with Rich Valdez. How do you explain the groups that have supported Joe Biden for so long, Democrats for so long, now kind of looking around, actually, not and among young voters, too, not just that they're looking at, at Donald Trump, but they're looking at other choices. How do you explain them sort of straying from this president, from the Democratic Party? So I'm going to again, I'm going to be super mindful of 2024 as we're stepping as we're into an, an election year. Look, we understand what the American people went through these past three years. Right. We came out of a pandemic, right, a pandemic that we haven't seen in 100 years. And when the president walked in, the economy was upside down. And so we get it. We get that it's going to take a little bit of time for folks to feel what the binomics has been able to do. That's not something that I'm saying. That's something that economists have said. Right. It takes a little bit of time, but doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the president's not going to continue to work. It doesn't mean the president's not going to continue to work. He's losing votes. He's losing support. People say they don't feel Bidenomics working. But here we are. Jennifer Kearns is with us. You know her from uh, being the host of All American Radio and the author of The Real War on Women. Jen Kearns, your your friend, your colleague, Karine Jean-Pierre, she says people just don't feel it yet, but um, they're going to get Bidenomics eventually. What say you? <laughs> people don't feel it because it's not happening. And the reason it's not happening isn't because of the pandemic, which we're about to celebrate the four year anniversary of. So, you know, pretty much at this point into uh, his administration, uh, Joe Biden has to own the economy. Right. Um but we're not recovered yet because of something that happened in major cities across the country. You know, people uh, like KJP look back and they kind of blame Donald Trump. They said, oh, well, the pandemic happened during his administration. But the, there were some key things that happened during the pandemic that happened in major Democrat cities like New York, Los Angeles, San Diego, Chicago, um, you know, Democrat strongholds. And that was millions and millions of people uh, got pushed out of work and thousands and thousands and thousands of restaurants and small businesses closed. And those actually happened. And I write about this in the book, The Real War on Women. Uh, those actually happened at the hands of Democrat mayors, people like Andrew Cuomo, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, that is, uh, people like Governor Gavin Newsom in California. Those lockdowns uh, in those uh, cities uh, that are run by Democrat mayors uh, those economies stayed closed for two years, some, in some cases, two and a half years. And in, mm. in school districts like L.A. Unified School District, heavily Hispanic school district, largest school district in the country, LAUSD, they were closed for almost two and a half years and um, to the point where parents were starting to revolt and starting to protest because the parents were like, hey, most of us are in the service industry and have to go to work and earn a living. You know, we're not trust fund kids here. we got to get our kids right. back in school. That's the only reason LA Unified School District opened. And, and I write about this in the real war on women, that um, 2 million women were pushed out of the workforce during the pandemic, not by people like Donald Trump, who were at the top at the presidential level, but because of the mayors and governors in the blue states and heavy blue cities 
people like Gavin Newsom, Andrew Cuomo, uh, Bill de Blasio at the time. Um, these were people who, who made people lose their jobs. And a lot of people haven't recovered. Those restaurants that closed haven't reopened, haven't been thriving. And same with the small businesses, mom and pops. And that's the real issue. That's what Bidenomics has not quite gotten. Sure, the big banks are all back in business. A lot of people back in the offices in New York City. But these small businesses, the heart and the lifeblood of the country, of America, and, and of women in particular, uh, those have really never recovered. You know, I think of so much of what she says, and, and I think a lot of it's just a pack of lies. And I can't help but make the segue from that pack of lies to this new pack of lies with the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay. Right. And all of the trouble that she's gotten into. So when we come back, I want to ask you your quick thoughts on that, because I know that um, that was um, uh, an interesting turn of events. I think a lot of people didn't see coming. Maybe some did. Folks, don't go anywhere. We're on with Jennifer Kearns, the host of All American Radio with Jennifer Kearns and the author of The Real War on Women. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? That is the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, when she testified in Congress before uh, Elise Stefanik, uh, Republican conference chair. And at the time, their debate was over hate speech and her condoning hate speech against Jews. Um, It quickly became, you know, a doubling down of that. Then they, they tried to say, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't this. It went this way. It went that way. Then it was, no, we love Hamas. No, we love the Jews. No, we love this. No, we love that. No, we don't love anything. And then, hey, you're a liar and you're stealing people's work. And it was just, it happened all so fast. Jennifer Kearns, What's your quick take on what happened here with Claudine Gay? Well, if you go radically woke, you will soon be radically broke. And I think that's (laughs) the message that uh, has to start spreading to some of these university leaders. Um, Look, uh, probably uh, it should have happened sooner that these university uh, liberals were held to account. But but hey, it'll do. It's a great way to start the new year. It's one fewer radical woke leftists at the top. Uh, But look, what I'm concerned about is how many universities have these thinkers at the top of their leaderboards that we don't know about. I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, and it's probably the the majority rather than the minority uh, in universities across the country. And that's why you see, frankly, other universities gaining uh, so much popularity, places like, you know, Liberty University and Hillsdale and all of these other places and homeschooling and people just going out into the workforce instead of going to the universities. Uh, just like our, you know, grandparents did. And um, so I think that is changing the culture a little bit in terms of, you know, how we educate our kids in the country. Outstanding. Jennifer Kearns, let everybody know how they could find you and follow you, your website, how they could get a copy of your book. 
Sure. Uh, allamericanradio.com is my website. You can drop me a message there. And I will give a free book, The Real War on Women, to anyone who DMs me, uh, the first person to DM me off of the Rich Valdez uh, program. I'll send it to you. It'll get you equipped for how to uh, talk back to Democrats in 2024 regarding the women's vote and what women should really care about. By the way, the number one issue I'm looking at, Rich, is them trying to keep Trump off the ballot. That is the ultimate voter suppression. Look at that. Well, folks, get your free book. Go. Where do they go? How do they get you on social? Just DM me, All American Jen. All American Jen. There you go, Jen Kearns. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. We're coming right back. Hour number two, second hour of 2024 starts right now. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program. It's Tuesday evening, hour number two, second live hour in 2024. Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome back. And uh, for everybody that um, wasn't... um, what well, wasn't with us? Welcome back. If you're if you've been with us, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> and uh, we have so much to talk about. We've been talking about a bunch of things t- this evening domestically, and I want to broaden our uh, our view to a little bit about a little bit more to what's going on externally, right? Uh, because there's been plenty. I mean, I think Hamas, um, really uh, Iran, I should say, Iran, in my opinion, is fighting <clears throat> their war against the West. From multiple fronts, it's not just uh, against the the Israelis through Hamas, uh, but they've got various proxies and, and they're funding groups all over the place in different parts of the region to, to do what they do. And it makes me think this has been going on, I'm pretty sure, since I was a kid, right? I'm born in 78 and Iran was taking hostages back then. So this is an ongoing thing uh, going into its fifth decade, as far as I know. And I wonder to what end and where where do we um, where do we see an end to this? Or is this just a tension that we'll have to manage forever? I I don't know the answer to that, but hopefully our guest can help us answer that. Uh, Brandon Weikert, he's the author of The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. He's a geopolitical analyst. He's the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. And uh, I, I want to get his take on this because there's there's so much going on, right? You've got Egypt, uh, the United Arab Emirates, uh, and Saudi Arabia are reluctant to join the, uh, the U.S.-Israeli coalition against the Houthis. And obviously, this is... Um, 
problematic and and we need to to get a better handle on this because it seems like Biden has been in the Middle East shaking things up and making things worse than they ever needed to be, especially when Trump had them in the best um, possible position they've been in in decades. Anyway, uh, that's my take on it. Let's uh, get Brandon Weikert on to get his take. Brandon Weikert, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be back and happy new year. Um, and I think that your uh, your take is, is pretty much correct. Donald Trump was the first president in my lifetime uh, to basically get the Middle East right. And, uh, you know, we're reeling now after three years of Joe Biden basically getting the Middle East wrong. And, uh, mm. you know, you mentioned the Houthi issue. And the really kind of ridiculous thing here is that Biden's even trying to go for a coalition to stop the Houthis. The Houthis are not the problem. The Houthis are an, are sort of an extension of the problem. The problem is Iran. Um, and the only person who figured out how to deal with the Iranian threat was, again, Donald Trump. And he created the Abraham Accords, which was the U.S.-backed coalition of Israel plus the Sunni Arab states led by Saudi Arabia, which were going to be used to contain Iran, and then the United States would apply maximum pressure diplomatically, economically, militarily, uh, to basically constrain and contain Iran, uh, to put it back in the box that it had been loosed from when George W. Bush invaded Iraq and destabilized the whole region in 2003. Um, but Biden's not talking about containing Iran. Biden's talking about ignoring the Houthi threat, letting them humiliate us, uh, while at the same time he's talking about uh, basically trying to restrain American allies like Israel from responding fully to the terrorist attacks uh, that they suffered by Hamas, an Iran-backed group, uh, that they may be suffering from Hezbollah soon, which is another Iran-backed group in Lebanon, and also mm-hmm. trying to distance America from Saudi Arabia, which is our strongest ally in the Sunni Arab world. And so Biden is getting it all wrong. And uh, if he gets elected in, 20, in, in uh, November of this year, uh, we will be staring down a very serious prospect of World War III, not initiating in Ukraine or in Taiwan, but happening because of what's going on in the Middle East right now. Wow. And, and this is, I think, where, um, this is where, where, where everybody's uh, kind of um, concerned, I should say, right? Um, nobody wants to see that happen, but it seems like he's royally screwing it up. And again, every time I say something like that, somebody wants to take exception. So he knows exactly what he's doing, Rich. He's there to destroy it and sabotage. Okay, that's fine. My point is Biden is breaking things. And we need someone who can fix things and make them better. Right. And I don't know how quickly that happens. Do you think um, the fact that it's an election year plays into any of this? Does it kind of slow people down because they don't know what's coming? Or does it make them uh, kind of speed up their agenda because they're like, hey, yeah. we don't know what we're going to get. So we might as well right. take advantage of this idiot. Right. I think it's going to speed up their agenda because I think that we're seeing this with China we're seeing this with Russia in Ukraine. That's how the Ukraine war never happened under Trump, even though he was supposedly a Russian spy or whatever. Right. This never happened, right? So the, the same thing with the Iranians in the Middle East. So the Iranians are looking around. They've got problems at home. Their economy's not doing well. They've been struggling since COVID because that really eviscerated Iran 
People are protesting at home. And so the Iranians are looking around and going, this might be our only shot to really kind of shake up the geopolitical order and implement our grand agenda for the region. Uh, and right now, Iran has very strong Russian and Chinese backing, uh, which they might not have in another few years. So Iran is going for broke now because they see in the White House they have basically a blithering idiot uh, who doesn't really understand the region, who doesn't really care to understand the region, who's more interested, as I said at the beginning, in alienating America's traditional allies in Saudi Arabia and Israel than he is in actually containing the real threat, the persistent threat that has been the Islamic Republic of Iran since the day it became a country in 1979 after the, the Grand Ayatollah overthrew the Shah. And we haven't seen the end of it since. And that's kind of what I was talking about before. I don't know. Right. That we, do we ever see an end to it or do they exist just to do this? Well, the issue right now is I think that Iran is this is all part of a larger plan by Iran to use chaos and disorder in the region to sort of springboard and replace the American led order there with one of their own making. Uh, and so I actually think this is going to escalate. Uh, especially, you know, the closer we get to the election, Iran's really going to want to try to shake things up, not knowing who's going to win. If Trump gets reelected, I will be willing to put money down on the fact that Iran will suddenly de-escalate because they know that Trump will punch back. Um, if Biden gets reelected, I would anticipate much worse hostility from Iran in the region and greater hostility from Iran's partners in China and Russia probably Venezuela as well, and North Korea, um, because Biden is the problem here. Biden and his team, they believe they can negotiate and do deals like Obama thought, like Carter thought. They believe they can negotiate and do deals with the head-chopping Islamists of Iran, and just as Neville Chamberlain believed he could accommodate and appease Hitler. And I realize that's a tired uh, comparison, but in this case with the Islamic Republic of Iran, they are very similar to Hitler's Germany in terms of what they want to do in their region. Uh, and the Biden administration is very much interested in appeasing that. And we know that road leads to nowhere good. Brandon Weikert, stick with us. I want to get your take on what's going on with uh, Hamas and Israel uh, when we come back. Folks, we're on with Brandon Weikert. Uh, you can follow him at we the Brandon on Twitter and the other social media. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. By the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. I had somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing. Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, we continue our conversation with Brandon Weikert. And uh, the question uh, that I have is, what is 
the um, the current state of affairs with Israel and Hamas, and do we see an end in sight, Brandon? Um, well, the the current state is uh, Israel is prosecuting an excellent war uh, of uh, you know justice. They are getting justice for what the Hamas terrorists did on October seventh. Now, personally. Um, I think that uh, the ground war that they're doing is probably going to be um, problematic in the long run. Uh, I would have cordoned off uh, Gaza and just flattened it from the air and channeled the refugee flows down into the Sinai Peninsula of Egypt. But Israelis are, are choosing to go for a what I think is a much more difficult uh, task of basically going door to door in Gaza and hunting Hamas down. Uh, not unlike what we did to al-Qaeda in Iraq and in Fallujah. Um, thus far, though, the Israelis have been very effective at this, um, and uh, Hamas is, is probably going to die. Hamas is, on some level, going to no longer be the threat that it, ha- it has become. Um, if I were the Israelis, though, I would be very cognizant, and it seems they are right now, of the northern front, Hezbollah in Lebanon. That's the real, I think, long-term stalking horse threat that they have to worry about. Hezbollah is directly Iranian-backed, Hamas is as well, but they have a more limited capability uh, to what Hezbollah has uh, in Lebanon. And I think that you're seeing now Israel striking, doing these targeted assassinations against Hezbollah targets in Lebanon tonight and last night. Uh, I think as part of them recognizing that they're going to have to worry about that northern front. Because Hamas did what they did, Rich, because Netanyahu had announced three weeks before the October 7th attack that uh, Saudi Arabia and Israel were aligning militarily as never before against Iran. Three weeks after Netanyahu said that to the U.N., that was when the October 7th attack happened, and the October 7th uh, happened because Hamas was ordered, I think, by Iran to do this, because Iran understood Saudi Arabia would have to distance itself from Israel because Israel was going to have to militarily retaliate against Gaza, and most of the Saudi people uh, stand with the Palestinian Arabs. Uh, And so this was all part of a geopolitical move to evade a containment uh, strategy by the Israelis and Saudis. Now, Brandon, tell us the significance of something you just mentioned. You talked about the uh, assassination of um, or, or the killing of of Saleh uh, Aruri, uh, who was was killed in in Lebanon. Uh, but what 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 does what impact does this have on everything that's going on in in that region by and large? Well, it's signaling to Iran that Israel is not going to wait for Iran to open up that second front from the north. Um, Very interesting, I don't know if you saw, but tonight there are photos now coming out of Hassan Nasrallah, who is the head of Hezbollah, being whisked away by his security contingent, uh, being put onto an airplane uh, going from Beirut to Tehran, where it is believed he will hide out for the remainder of this conflict, uh, because the Israelis are now realizing that they have to worry about um, uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon. It's very key to understand. Uh, in 2016, there was a meeting between the leaders of Hamas, the the Fatah of of the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization, as well as Hezbollah in Beirut, in which 
General Qasem Soleimani, the head of the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Corps that Trump brilliantly assassinated a few years ago. He died um, like a dog. That's exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. Well, there was this meeting in 2016 between the heads of these terrorist organizations and, and Soleimani in which they agreed to pull their resources together, work under the command of the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Corps to initiate what Soleimani at the time referred to as the third and final intifada against Israel. And that is, I believe, what you're seeing happen now. The reason it's happening now as opposed to four or five years ago is because Trump killed Soleimani, and that set their plans back. But, of course, now Biden is in charge, not Trump, and Biden is mucking the whole thing up, and, uh, you know, he's making a mess of things. Do you think this is something they're going to continue to do to target these? And I think that's typically the rules of engagement in many wars. But it seems like they're coloring outside of the lines here. They're saying we got to go after uh, of the head, not just what we see in front of us in Gaza. Do you think they continue to do that? Yes, I think they have to, because let me tell you something, and I talk about this extensively in the book. Um, since 2016, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps has been building what they call the Precision Project in Lebanon uh, with Hezbollah. And basically these are precision long-range, precision-guided long-range missiles um, that are fueled by what's known as HMX, otherwise known as octogen, uh, which is a very serious chemical. And Nasrallah said about five years ago that with the IRGC's help, Hezbollah now has the ability to launch long-range precision missiles at the port of Haifa, where there are ammonium nitrate facilities holding all this explosive chemical material. Uh, and he plans to blow up those um, ammonium uh, facilities in the port of Haifa to simulate a dirty bomb blast that would basically knock out the port of Haifa right. as a useful economic hub for Israel. Also, they want to use those precision-guided munitions, Hezbollah does, to launch attacks on key Israeli infrastructure to basically bring the terrorism as close to the ordinary Israeli as possible to break them of their will to fight. And so that is why Israel has no choice but to wage these this sort of preventative attacks against uh, Hezbollah, because if they don't, Hezbollah will rally, and with the Iraq backing, they will strike with those precision-guided missiles. Wow. Brandon Weikert, I want you to let everybody know how they can get a copy of your brand-new book, The Shadow War. Well, I always love to say go to your local bookstore, but they seem to be dying out, so to be safe, just go to Amazon or any online Book retailer, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, and you'll find my work there. Uh, and you can follow me at uh, We the Brandon on Getter, Truth Social, and Twitter. Outstanding. Um, I want to thank you for your analysis and for staying up late with us. You are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Happy New Year to you, sir. You too, and I hope to do this again with you. Definitely, definitely soon. All right, folks, and we will continue straight ahead with your calls and more uh, when we um, come back. And I just want to remind everybody, if there's any interviews on the show that you absolutely um, want to listen to again, want to share um, or, you know, just want to uh, re-listen to, just go to the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, and you can go ahead and listen to whatever you missed or share whatever you want to share. And we're going to continue our conversation straight ahead. Um, when we come back, I'm not going to give you too much of the details on that because I like to surprise you, but 
Open Phone America is back tonight, and we're going to be doing that at the top of the next hour. So get your calls in for that as well. Don't go anywhere, folks. It's me, Rich Valdez. I'm back. Happy 2024. Coming right back. Welcome back. And I don't know if you guys remember, but a couple of years back, a couple more like 10 or 15, right? There was a, a series, um, a drama on TV called Nip Tuck. You remember that show? I don't know if you do or don't. But I love that show. That was such a great series. It was like the, the prim and proper cosmetic surgeon versus the his partner who was this extravagant, flamboyant playboy type. And uh, it was just a good show, in my opinion. I- I'm into Hollywood. I- I- a-, a little Hollywood goes a long way with me. Anyway, it was a great show, and it always got me interested in, in knowing what-, what life was like behind the scenes of cosmetic surgery. So it comes as no surprise when um, I'm looking at some of the um, topics that we're going to discuss tonight, and I see this headline, Right. Now, this is not so much cosmetic surgery, but definitely something in the area of one's appearance. Here's the topic. People are reporting ozempic overdoses. Poison Control Center says calls are up 1,500% since 2019. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Now, again, ozempic is this uh, very popular um, drug, uh, semeglutide, that is uh, I think it's called a GLP-1 inhibitor and turns off this part of your brain that makes you want to overeat and do bad things and all sorts of things. Um, it's just uh, phenomenal. And I guess people like it so much, they're taking it in in big, big uh, dosages, and there's, there's some repercussions to that. So I want to get to the bottom of that with Dr. Bill Johnson. He's a cosmetic surgeon. And he is the head of Innovations Medical. Dr. Bill Johnson, welcome, sir. Well, thank you for having me this evening. Oh, it's my pleasure. Tell me, uh, I want to get right to the nitty-gritty of this stuff, because as far as I I know, right, I know that um, this um, Ozempic and there's Wegovi and there's Manjaro, and those are the three big brand names out there, and they're somewhat similar, somewhat the same, somewhat different, uh, but they all do the same type of thing which is um, affect you in a way where you eat less and then uh, you, you lose weight. Is that right? That's correct. Those were all, uh, in fact, they are still primarily marketed as drugs for diabetes because they, all, they affect our bodies in ways that makes our stomach believe it's eaten and causes hormonal changes such as insulin and other hormones that convince our body we're full. And they also help control blood sugar. So that's what they were originally marketed for. And then, lo and behold, it turns out that the average diabetic loses about 15% of body weight when they're placed on it. And suddenly, after about a year on the market, that explodes and people saying, wait a second, a pill, a shot that makes me lose weight? Then that has become... Uh, one of the primary usage, even though they're just now seeking full approval 
for especially Ozempic as a weight loss drug. Got it. And that, and that's right. I left that piece out. This stuff was all like for type two diabetes management and, and now it's being used for weight loss and for, um, um, for uh, obesity as well. I think the other one way for like massive weight loss. So when you right. have this, 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 um, this drug that's designed for that and it's being used, I guess, off label for just for weight loss. Um, wh- what are some of the side effects or right, what, what should I, I should say better. What does an Ozempic overdose look like? Mostly nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain, and it's no one has died uh, reportedly. No one has died yet from Ozempic overdose. But the important thing to understand about Ozempic overdoses is the great majority, somewhere over 90% of them, are not from the prescription drug obtained through a licensed pharmacist. They are from the compounded version of the drug where someone has gone and made a compound version that's not exactly the same. It has a semiglutide, but it does not, it's not the same salt. It's not exactly the same preparation. Here's the reason. When you get the prescription model, it comes in a pre-filled syringe. Right. So you simply give yourself the poke and it automatically doses you. Very difficult. You have to grab another syringe to overdose in that respect in that. But when you're buying the compounded version, it comes in a vial and you have to draw that up. And if you draw up 0.2 cc's instead of 0.1 cc, you just doubled your dose. Right. And that's how people, for the most part, are being overdosed. Got it. So Again, and that overdose is not somebody passing out and, and near dying. It's more like you said, um, stomach issues, diarrhea, that type of thing. Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. People have had to be hospitalized because they can't get, you know, can't keep anything down, and they need an IV to keep hydrated until the, this effects have worn off. Wow. But uh, again, no one. It's not reported that anyone's been died from an Ozempic overdose, so it can make you sick but it doesn't look like it's very deadly. And this is primarily from folks that are getting it um, custom ordered from a compounding pharmacy, not so much the brand name. Correct. Because the brand name coming in a pre-filled syringe, it's very difficult to overdose that. You almost have to do it on purpose. You almost have to take a second one because you want to or take it, uh, twice a week or three times a week when you were supposed to take it once a week. One, that's not going to give you a greater effect on weight loss, but more importantly, you can get overdosed that way. But that's only about 10% of the overdoses. The great majority of them are the compounded version that folks are wow. getting because the regular version has been in short supply. And then, of course, there's the report in the last couple of weeks about fake versions being on the market as well uh, that have made it to uh, licensed pharmacies. And the FDA is working very hard right now to clean all those up and help. Fake versions like from China, like counterfeit? Counterfeit, yes. There are definitely counterfeits on the market. 
that's been in the news for the last two to three weeks. And uh, they are true counterfeits. And as I said, they got into some of the regular pharmacy supply chains. Uh, I think the big uh, the big chains like Walgreens and CVS have managed to avoid it, but the, some of the smaller legitimate pharmacies have uh, been sent that by suppliers, and the suppliers were fooled too. So that uh, that's out there. It's it's something that the FDA has been working on aggressively the last week or two, and I think it's uh, they're making a, a good progress. But it is something that you want to be real careful about if you go to a small pharmacy or if you're getting it from a uh, non-licensed pharmacist. Wow. Folks, uh, that is uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, we are on with Dr. Bill Johnson. Uh, he's a cosmetic surgeon, and we're talking about Ozempic and Ozempic uh, overdoses. Uh, I want to continue to get your thoughts on a couple of uh, medical questions that I have for you, if you'll stick with us. Folks, we're coming right back with Dr. Bill Johnson. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. He's a cosmetic surgeon and the uh, head of Innovations Medical, innovationsmedical.com. Now, Dr. Bill Johnson, when people are taking Ozempic uh, and these other um, GLP-1 inhibitor weight loss injections uh, or diabetes management injections that have this side effect of weight loss, what, what do you as a cosmetic surgeon, what do you recommend to them uh, because there was a, a story we did about a year, maybe not a year ago, six months ago, let's say, something called Ozempic face and Ozempic butt, where people were having lots of uh, muscle loss as a result of taking this and losing collagen and elasticity, and they had their face was sagging and their butt was saggy, and they were saggy all over the place. Uh, how do you counsel such a patient? Well, anytime you have that kind from Ozempic or whether it's from good old-fashioned hard work and diet, you're going to have a problem with loose skin because if we if we lose more than, say, 20 or 30 pounds, uh, it starts to show. Our skin is elastic, but it's not that elastic. So there are a lot of procedures that we can do, some with just energy-based tools that tighten the skin, but a lot. Uh, the most famous, of course, is a tummy tuck or a facelift. Those are things that you can do to address it. One of the neat tools that's available is fat transfer, and it can do a really remarkable job of restoring looks, really particularly in the face, where it uh, really does a great job of putting fat back 
where we need it, and we've lost it with a lot of weight loss. Where do you get it from? Wherever we need to, we can get it. It doesn't take a large volume, uh, you know, a couple of tablespoons. Those people, uh, Doc, you're cutting in and out. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The uh, uh, facial fat transfer really doesn't take more spoons worth of fat. And so we can get that almost anywhere. Even a person has lost weight tends to have some fat around their, uh, you know, on their sides and the old love handle or in the, mm-hmm. in the, in their tummy. And we can get that fat and move it to their face and, uh, put it in making a remarkable improvement, not only with weight loss, but with just with age, but the combination of age and weight loss can really make them look skeletal, make them look, uh, look ill in sometimes. Right. And we have that technology that's easy to do and gives really great results. And to some extent, I think does a better result than say facelifts because sometimes a facelift will change a person's appearance where when we do facial fat transfer, we use their young face as our model and we tend to help them look younger and uh, less skinny, less ill, if you would, mm-hmm. uh, but still like themselves because they are the model that we use uh, for discerning how much fat to place. Wow. Who knew? I want to go to a caller. We have a caller with a question for you. Her name is Sue. She's in Schwanksville, Pennsylvania on WXDE. Sue, go right ahead. You're on with Dr. Bill Johnson and Rich Valdez. Well, first of all, I'm thrilled that you have him on because I have a lot of questions about you know, plastic surgery in general. Um, I have a question about the Ozempic, but the, the one thing that I've always wondered about, which your doctor might be able to, to answer, is you know, when these women have facial, you know, this plastic surgery on their face, they all end up looking the same. And they look like Madam of Whalen and Madam fame. They don't even look human. But anyway, that's one <laughs> comment I have. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the Ozempic, you know. I'm a type 2 diabetic, and I don't take that, um, fortunately, but I know a lot of people who do. I'm on a Facebook group, and people are complaining that they can't get it because the pharmacies don't have it because all these people are buying it for weight loss. So actual diabetics can't get that. And um, I, I heard that one person who they didn't know this person, they were at the gym, somebody approached them and told them, hey, we have a shortcut for you. And they were trying to sell them this compounded Ozempic. Um, but my question has to do about some of the side effects. I have heard that they had to update the label because of intestinal blockages from Ozempic and similar drugs. So I just wanted to hear what your doctor has to say about that one. Thank you, Sue. Well, there, there were multiple questions there. Uh, one that she seemed to be the most uh, that has happened in a handful of cases, uh, as has pancreatitis, uh, which can be a very severe abdominal illness. And both of those things have occurred with Ozempic, with the prescription brand. So it's important that it be monitored by a physician that is familiar with the drug and knows knows how to address any complications that come up. So, yeah, it's a great drug. And uh has come some remarkable results, both in helping diabetics get control 
and in weight loss. But like any medication, it has its side effects and occasionally severe side effects. All right, Dr. Bill. And what were your thoughts um, <clears throat> with uh, respect? And I think you might have addressed this early on with respect to people getting the compounded version through a, a connection in their gym. Well, the connect, you know, connection in the gym is a bad plan from the start because, the again, as I just mentioned, it's very important that these be monitored by a physician that's familiar with the drug, that knows how to dose it, knows how to look for the side effects, and address the side effects when they come up. And most of those aren't who you're buying it from at the gym. In addition, the compounded version cannot be the legitimate branded version that's sold at pharmacies because that's a patented product and the compound pharmacies can't get their hands on that. They're using a different version of semiglutide that is a different salt. Uh, Most of these drugs are liquids and have to be made into a salt so they can be put in a pill. And they're using different salts that they can get outside of the patent. The problem is all the studies, all the dosing, all of the information about how these drugs work is based on the brand name version, not what you're getting at the compounded. And so it's, although they're similar and they're going to still have be potentially effective for weight loss, you don't know what you're getting. And that's a very dangerous setting when it comes to medications especially something as powerful as effective as Ozempic and its relatives. All right, Sue, thank you for your call. Dr. Bill Johnson, stand by. We're going to wrap up with you in a moment. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night. With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And we've got Open Phone America. The first Open Phone America of the 2024 new year is coming up moments from now. Uh, But we're going to finish up with our guest, Dr. Bill Johnson, cosmetic surgeon and uh, the head of Innovations Medical. Innovationsmedical.com is their website. Dr. Bill Johnson, with uh, all of the talk that we have going on with uh, cosmetic surgery. There's always something going on. Uh, what do you think is the, I guess, the um, the current state of affairs? Is cosmetic surgery on the rise or are people shying away from it? What say you? Well, I, it, 2022 was a down year for many of us in the cosmetic surgery business because of inflation. When mm-hmm. people are having trouble paying for gas and bread, right. hey, we're a luxury item, and so we, we come down the list. But with the economy picking back up prior, every year prior to that, in fact, 21 was a fantastic year for us because of the 
stimulus money that the government pumped into the economy. A lot of folks use that for cosmetic work. <laughs> so 21 was a great year. It was, yeah. It was 21 yeah, was it, a great it's just year. funny you think people uh, get a check from the stimulus and they go, hey, let me get a nose job. It makes sense, I guess. Dr. Bill Johnson, I want to thank you for being here. Happy New Year to you, sir. You are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good night. You bet. All right, folks, we're coming right back with Open Phone America. The phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Looking forward to speaking with you and wishing you a happy new year. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program. If you want to join our conversation on our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free to give me a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. Now, a few things I want to get into tonight. Uh, We have plenty to discuss uh, Senator Bob Menendez, by the way, who's been faced with new charges. Apparently, um, he's also been charged with now accepting bribes to benefit Qatar or Qatar, as we know. Q-U-Q-A-T-A-R. Um, man, Qatar, Qatar is uh, now part of the uh, uh, of the uh, list of people that have, you know, influenced Gobar Bob. So we'll keep you up to speed on that one. And there was this report on the news that I want to share with you. And it was, let me see if I can get to it from here, right here. Check this out. This guy, Dr. John Gentry, he uh, was a CIA intelligence analyst and he was on with uh, Fox News Digital. And he says that the deep state will come back to stop a Republican candidate. Listen to this. I think I think we will see the uh, the proverbial deep state, this different variety than than is um, seen around the world. I, I suspect that there will be a reemergence of leaks. My guess is that some of the formers will again be be talking publicly. The 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 former, many of the formers, uh, uh, you know, people you know, you know, Brennan and Clapper and uh, Mike Hayden and so on have have generated some some real credibility problems, and I think we'll have a hard time being credible in the, in 2024. But there there may be others, and my guess is that the the proverbial deep state within the intelligence community will reemerge uh, because presumably. Uh, presumably a Republican candidate will again be seen as a threat to the the the, the, the internal policies that, um, that uh, many intelligence people like. So they will begin to uh, 
to 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 leak again. Again, that's Dr. John Gentry saying that folks within he's a former intelligence analyst with the CIA, and he says that former intelligence people uh, will lose credibility. But there are other former intelligence people and that others within the intelligence community will emerge just in time to um, mold and and uh, sway the the votes during this election. I, I, of course, I understand that. I think everybody and their mother are going to come out of the woodwork uh, in any election, especially, you know, a high stakes election, because that's what people do. Right. We always want to influence uh, elections one way or another. Um, you don't want to interfere in one, but you definitely want to in, in, influence it. All right. I, I'm going to tell people I'm voting for so-and-so. You should, too. And I think most people are going to do that. And they're going to put bumper stickers in their car. And if they have if they're union bosses, they're going to tell their membership, hey, you should vote this way, you know, and twist their arm while they're at it. That's just how politics works. And I get that. Um, but what Dr. John Gentry is talking about is how there's a significant problem within the intelligence agencies themselves where they're going to try and interfere in the election. Listen to this. I hope they would appreciate that there is a significant political problem within the agencies. Uh, one of the one of the, the messages that I think became very um, commonly perceived by the people, given that there was a significant effort by the mainland press to work with the the, the opponents of Trump to to in essence rationalize uh, politicization as being legitimate uh, politicking, uh, warning the country against uh, 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 a threat, uh, helping to save democracy, whatever the term term might be. But uh, in in fact, the the activities of the formers and the many leakers who in quite a number of cases leaked uh, leaked incorrect information, leaked disinformation, purposely incorrect or uh, in, information that these that these people are uh, are are acting in ways inconsistent with the traditional standards of the intelligence community and that uh, there are reasons for these that this thing didn't happen uh, accidentally and there are some negative uh, implications that will uh, continue to affect the ability of intelligence to support national decision-making unless there are strong actions taken. Again, so that's Dr. John Gentry, former CIA intelligence analyst uh, on with Fox News. And my question for you all, the listeners, is, is this going to impact the election? How will the deep state, the intelligence community within the government, within the media, within everything else, how is this going to make 2024 different let's go to john vero beach florida wttb john go right ahead yes it's always a pleasure uh mr Likewise. valdez uh, happy new year to you uh happy new year and all the best to you wonderful wonderful show god bless you for getting the truth out to all of us thank you and um yes and uh, uh this is the way i see it Everybody has got to shout from the rooftops, from every corner, from every state, every city, every town, all across America, to get our our voting uh, situation, our regulations, and everything else. So 
to uh, straighten out, to avoid a repeat of all the shenanigans that were pulled during the last presidential election. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the number one thing we've got to do is make sure that we're not in the midst of a pandemic in uh, on election day. And and if we are, then boy, we've got to make sure that we we are able to vote in person as often and as as realistically possible as that is. And I I think that we've seen a lot of um, movement to make things better with elections. I can't say other than the fact that we have, I don't know, seven million new people in our country at the southern border. Uh, outside from that, I can't say that um, that that's the biggest fear factor I have is that while I know that you shouldn't be able to get a driver's license and be automatically registered uh, under, you know, the theory of it, the reality is it it's a thing. It's a thing that somebody who's just gotten here could go to New York or go somewhere and apply for a, a license and then be automatically registered to vote. And they might say, but this is only going to be a nonpartisan election, only in municipal elections, not in federal elections. The issue for me becomes when you open up the door, somebody's going to put their foot in and then people are going to start to sneak in. Right. And I think that's ultimately what happens where you have all these new voters that aren't even legit voters. And with that many new people, you can swing a lot of elections. Uh, fortunately, it's not like we've seen this influx of people going into states that would normally, um, you know, be uh, Republican leaning, if you will. I think for, for the most part, you know, New York, um, and San Francisco, the, these, these types of cities are, are getting the, the brunt of the illegal immigrants uh, are not conservative bastions of freedom, if you will. But I agree with you, John, that we have to make sure we do everything we can to uh, make sure that our elections are as as uh, legit as possible. And I, I've spoken about it before, and I'll, I'll reiterate it now. Carrie Lake was on this program, and she said something um, remarkable that I thought. Was she said, I don't care if you have to sleep outside of the damn ballot box. And she was talking about when they had those drop off boxes and people were putting their ballots in them during the um, pandemic. She said, I don't care if you have to sleep outside that damn box to make sure it gets there. You do it. And I thought that is that level of commitment that we need to make this work. And and I appreciated the analogy she put together. And I think that's where we are. Uh, As long as people are willing to step up and do that type of thing, then voila, we've got. the right thing going on. If we don't get that level of commitment and we are in the midst of a pandemic, then I say, hold your breath. It's going to be a rough four years. And of course, we're all going to make it through for the most part. Some people won't, but for the most part, we will. I don't see that coming. I think it's going to be a better day for many people ahead. John and Vero Beach, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. <clears throat> Let us continue. Uh, Duck in Wilmington, Delaware. What will the deep state do to interfere in the election, sir? W-D-E-L. Go. I, don't, I, I, have, I have several ideas. First of all, I want to wish you and your family and Mr. Tom and your entire staff a happy and prosperous New Year. It was great Thank to hear you. Mr. You Tom's voice for the New Year. It's great to hear your voice, Rich. You're like a friend of the night. Having Thank said you. that, Likewise. after Mr. Gentry's uh, call, uh, calls tonight, on your show, Dr. Gentry's calls. I've been, re- I've been researching this on my own for the past year, year and a half, two years on my own on the web and in the, in the printed medium all over the place, wherever I can, American and foreign media. And um, 
I don't know what they're going to pull, but it's going to be very dirty and very professional. And it's going to be anti-Trump or anti-candidate. For myself, I'm going to work for change in this state, Delaware, this blue state of Delaware, and for the rest of my life within the Republican Party. And if the candidate is or is not Donald Trump, I could care less because I will support that candidate. I'm a team player. That's where I come from. But I think what they're going to do is some very, very dirty stuff, possibly um, um, having uh, suspending the rule of law in this country and uh, even uh, sending troops into the streets and uh, uh, violating posse comitatus. I'd like your thoughts on that, sir. Huh. Well, listen, that's one of those stories that um, or I should say one of that, that scenario has been floated by me on many occasions. And I, I think the only time that I've ever seen or I felt that that may happen might have been during the 2020 election. Um, outside of that, I can't see it happening. I really don't. I think Americans have done the right thing during COVID and they realized we were told 15 days to flatten the curve. And 15 months later, we were handing over so much of our rights and our liberty and we no longer had had our our autonomy and i think people are realizing more and more uh from just from every angle you know whether it's different doctors that i have on this show that you know the one guy last week dr michael nels when he told me that one of the effects of the vaccine is that it makes your critical thinking ability diminish i thought that's crazy but that's a thing right so there's so many unintended consequences and i'm being fair in saying that that I think people just didn't know, and now they do, that the next time they're told blah, 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 they're not going to be so willing. So when you talk about, you know, um, uh, the military enforcing whatever, or posse comitatus not being uh, the case, I, I just, I, I'm sure it could happen at the, you know, at the st- strike of a pen. But I just don't think it's going Rich. to. I don't think it's happening. Thank you. I thank Rich. I thank you for your commentary, sir. And uh, I thank you for your courage to bring these issues out to the American public, sir. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure, Doc. And and listen, I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, But nobody's saying that it can't. Right. (laughs) I just don't believe it will. And it's one thing uh, I'll leave you with this thought. The deep state, the left, the bad guys, whomever they may be, they never do things so you could see what they're doing. So always count on them doing something in the sneakiest, shadiest way possible. They'll never be in your face about it. They'll never knock down your door to to grab your gun. And if they do, they'll do it at three o'clock in the morning and they won't do it to everybody on the block because they never want everybody to think that they're the bad guys. Doc, I appreciate your call and your kind words. Folks, we're coming right back with the rest of your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night 
with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back, amigos. And um, lots of things have happened in, uh, in the last couple of days. Obviously, it's 2024 now. And uh, the president of Harvard has resigned and she's going to keep her salary. Now, how much does the president of Harvard make? You think a hundred grand, 200 grand? Nope. 800 K, right? $800,000 is what Claudine Gay makes. And she's set to keep that salary despite resigning. We'll get into that in a moment. Uh, that seems like a really good gig, right? I guess she's on a contract. And uh, I want to get back to your calls, though. And, of, of course, if you want to join the program, Open Phone America, we are back. It's the first uh, Open Phone America of the 2024 new year. And the phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. Let's go to uh, Luciferno in Mound City, Missouri, listening on KMA in Iowa. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. We just wanted to wish you a happy new year, and I got a good one for you. Um, just when you think it couldn't get any worse, right? And But mm-hmm. maybe worse isn't so bad after all, but um, you won't believe what I saw earlier today. And no, I don't post it on the gossip box. But anyways, there is this lady next door, down on all fours, giving <laughs> to her neighbor's chihuahua. Oh, boy. Security. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, sometimes those things happen. I just don't, they don't happen too often around here. Well, anyway, Lucy, in in keeping it as clean as, oh, we lost Lucy. Okay, well, sorry about that, Lucy. Uh, Hopefully when we catch up with you again next time, we could get the the rest of that story in the most radio-friendly way possible. Anyway, uh, we do have... uh, some updates on the border crisis that's coming up in a little bit, but I wanted to get back into this story about this woman keeping her salary. Claudine Gay, right? The, the um, president of Harvard university, uh, nearly $900,000 salary, excuse me, despite resigning. Check this out. What a gig, right? For those of you that are like, man, I wish I could be a talk radio host. No, 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 you don't. You wish you could be Harvard University president because look at this story. <clears throat> She'll be leaving the, crim- the crimson, but she won't be um, losing the green, right? Outgoing Harvard president Claudine Gay will still likely earn nearly $900,000 a year despite being forced to resign her position as the school's top administrator. Political, profi- uh, political science professor Gay, who stepped down amid a, a tempest of allegations, uh, said that blah, 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 blah. She's now going to return to her position as a faculty member. Prior to being named president six months ago, she earned $879,000 as faculty dean for arts and sciences. So there you go. If you are a dean uh, in the Faculty of Arts and Sciences, uh, Sciences, excuse me, you can make $879,079. Sign me up and call me dean. I'll be right back. I'm Rich Valdez.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. New Customs and Border Protection data obtained by CBS News show that agency is on track to process more than 300,000 migrants, an all-time monthly high. That includes record numbers of families and children. Meanwhile, cities, states, and federal law enforcement report being overwhelmed as the ripple effects spread from border communities to all across the country. And for the latest, we are joined now by CBS immigration and politics reporter Camila Montoya Galvez. Camilo, you've done some extraordinary reporting on this. Um, can you tell us what is really driving the sharp increase and who is making up the majority of migrants? I think, Margaret, the more precise answer I can give you is that the push and pull factors that historically have driven migration to the U.S. have intensified to a degree that I don't think we have ever seen in U.S. history. We have a relatively stable economy here with many job openings, and that is driving a lot of migration. We also have an immigration system that is massively backlogged and cannot determine quickly who qualifies for asylum and who does not. That also attracts migration. Those are the pull factors, but we have very powerful push factors as well, deteriorating political and economic conditions in countries like Venezuela and countries in Africa and Asia are driving record numbers of people to the U.S. This is truly an unprecedented crisis of humanitarian proportions along the border. We have never seen this before. A quarter of a million migrants are being processed each month at the U.S.-Mexico border. That's breathtaking. And this is a hemisphere-wide crisis. That's right. So we've got more illegal immigrants coming into the country than we've had ever now even the media is talking about it, right? There was a long time ago where the media never spoke about what was happening at the border. It was not that long ago where we ignored everything happening at the border. Now you've got CBS News reporting on this being a crisis like we've never seen before. Fascinating, right? And I remember just, I don't know, sitting in a studio in Manhattan on 3rd Avenue. Uh, it was probably 2019 or 2020, maybe 2021. And making statements like these and people saying, no, no, you don't understand. That's not how it is. This is because you're, you're, you're being bigoted or you're being whatever. Um, you're, you're not understanding how it goes. This is because of the Northern triangle. This is because we disrupted those countries 40 years ago that now people are coming here, whatever. Now you've got, uh, Mr. Montoya explaining everything that's going on there saying that's a push and pull crisis. And again, I don't even buy half of that, right? The reality is it's unprecedented because nobody's ever done this before because nobody's ever done what Biden's done. Nobody's ever just allowed this to happen and exacerbated it by turning the border agents into travel agents. And instead of stopping people from coming across the border, putting them onto buses and planes uh, and trains to get them into New York and other areas. I mean, it, it's just insane. And that's what's happening with um, with people coming into New York City because they stopped allowing buses in to the city of New York. So now they're using trains. Isn't that something? I want you to listen to New York City Mayor Eric Adams. We are going to um, really 
make sure we utilize all of the resources we have within uh, the law. We're not going to do anything that's against, you know, goes against the law. But we have done a great job of communicating with the municipalities around us. So you don't ever hear the mayor talk about how this affects everybody, right? I mean, this affects people in in schools, uh, kids in public schools, parents that have kids in public schools. This is a, a, a big problem. And this is what's happening at our southern border. And nobody's doing anything about it. So I want to get your thoughts on all the news of the day, all of our guests. By the way, we had Vivek Ramaswamy on at the top of the first hour. Uh, If you have any reaction to that, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I also want to talk about uh, anything you want to talk about. The phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. Let's go to Bedford, Indiana, and check in with Sarah on WBIW. Sarah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I don't know how to say it in Spanish, but um, Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I it's just Feliz say, Año Nuevo, by the way. Wait, wait. Feliz what? Uh, Año Nuevo. Año Nuevo. You got it. I think I, I, think I got it. I kind of butchered a little bit. But anyway, uh, I just got this idea that, hey, if the President Harvard can get canned and keep her gratuitous salary, we ought to just all quit our jobs or get fired and be able to keep our measly paychecks. Um, but seriously... People need to stop funding these universities. I, I know people are proud when the kids do well, but seriously, if you have a kid and they're going on to higher education, I would say t- send them to a trade school or, or a two-year program like Ivy Tech and just start boycotting these universities. Um, so that, that's my two cents on that. How do you think we should um, make that change? Well, I really think that people need, like the kid wants to be a lawyer, if you can't find a conservative school, I mean, there has to be a point where, I hate to say it, but like my cousin Vinny, I mean, if you got to do a mail order thing, we're putting our kids' prestige, oh, you want the kid to do well and have a prestigious degree, but at the same time, we're funding institutions that are anti-American when we're, when we're paying the tuition. And I hate yeah. to say it, but um, we were better off when we were a slightly poor country, and people made less, but they had godly good values, and we, we've, we've got to cut off the supply to these universities, you know. As bad I agree with that. Funded. I don't think we need to go the mail-order route. I think there are some very conservative schools out there still. Um, you've got, like, Regent and Liberty. Uh, each have a law school in Virginia. Uh, very good schools from what I understand. And I'm sure there's plenty more out there. But uh, I agree with you. We we can't continue to fund things. Uh, but I, I have issues, right? I'll give you a confession on the air. I don't support Disney, and, and I won't. I likely will not go, um, at least I, not in the foreseeable future. I don't plan, I should say. I don't plan to go to a Disney park in the next uh, you know, year or so. However, that doesn't mean that I won't go to one, right? I, I, I'm not going to make a hard and fast rule and say, I'm not going to Disney. I loved it when I went to Disney. It was great. I just don't see it happening because I don't have grandchildren. And my kids are probably too big for that. And I don't really have uh, an innate desire to go. Uh, but that doesn't mean that somebody might, won't call me and say, hey, I'm getting engaged and we're doing it outside the Magic Kingdom and I want you to be there. Uh, and I might go for something like that. And I wouldn't say, nope, sorry, I'm anti-Disney. And I say that to say, I have a subscription to Hulu and it's the only Disney product that I have. <clears throat> and every month I go, how much of this do I really watch? And I really don't watch much. 
But there's a show that I like with Tom Selleck, and it's called Blue Bloods. And it's on there. It's got the older episodes, and I enjoy it. So every now and again, I'll watch some Blue Bloods on Hulu, which is uh, Disney. And every time I do it, I go, you know, every month I say I'm canceling this thing. I also like the old Jersey Shore reruns, which are on there. So call me crazy, call me wishy-washy, whatever you want to call me. But um, I still have my Hulu subscription, and I probably will get rid of it eventually, um, probably sooner rather than later. But uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, while we have to starve off the supply for certain things, um, people just don't want to. And that, that was why I made that example, is that, People, as much as they, you know, don't want to, Bud Light. Bud Light's dying on the vine, and then the UFC comes in and brings them in as their number one beer sponsor, and boom, Bud Light is back. You know, it's just everything is so cyclical, and people ultimately don't want to give up their their um, their their comfort foods, if you will. Sarah? No, I, I understand, and I respect you. If you can at least make four out of five or three out of five, you know, draw your line on some things. Yeah. It's better than not doing it at all. So I, I applaud you. And, like, the old Disney was great. Walt Disney himself was actually a conservative and wanted to promote conservative values when he was alive, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of an irony that his company has come to represent everything wow. utterly depraved. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it is. And, and the story behind that, we played a clip from the former president, and then shortly after that, the uh, um, the we found out that I think it's Roy Roy P. B Disney's daughter um, is um, a big trans activist and sits on the board and influenced a lot of that uh, that happened with the president of Disney. Now, since removed president because uh, Iger is back, but before Iger came back, the the not the CEO but the president uh, had made a comment, and we had um, it was from like a Zoom call they had, and we had gotten the audio of it where she said that they will not stop until 50% of Disney characters are LGBTQ+. And I just, I thought it was crazy. Because just imagine if I made a statement like that and said, I will not stop until 50% of my radio audience is LGBTQ+. How, how could you, right? How, how could I, I ever make that determination? How could they do that? How, because yes, because they're creating the characters, sure. But what makes them think that that 50% um, threshold was somehow equal to the reality in the world, right? Are 50% of, of most people's friends LGBTQ+, no. If you find one or two people that say 50% of their friends, that's probably a lot, unless you're looking for all of them in San Francisco or in the village or something like that. So my point is, it was just an unrealistic thing that was being pressed upon everybody to satisfy a minority group. And that's not the way things work in real life. Anyway, Sarah, great points, great conversation. Welcome back to the program. Happy New Year to you. Nice to hear your voice. And folks, we get with the rest of you straight ahead. Uh, your calls and more, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Our movement, the America First movement, cannot end with Donald Trump. He got this fight started and we love him for it, but now it's our job to finish it. And that's why I'm in this and I'm asking people to go for me to take that agenda further. All right, folks, that's Vivek Ramaswamy. He was my guest in the first hour of the program tonight. If you missed that interview, make sure you check it out at Rich Valdez. America at night.com rich Valdez America at night.com is the website and uh, good conversation with Vivek. He was scheduled to be with us for a couple of segments and we had to trim it down because of something or other with a plane that he had to catch to go to Iowa or whatnot. So uh, we had to cram in a lot of questions, but um, I asked him a, a few interesting questions and I think his responses were, were very solid. And I know I've been uh, both, um, I've praised him in the past and I've been critical of him in the past and I think you'll appreciate the interview. So uh, definitely check it out if you can. And if you want to join our conversation tonight, feel free. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. We've got calls from Kentucky, from Maine, from Arkansas. And I want to go to Maine and check in with Mike in Portland on WLOB because Maine recently kicked Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, off the ballot because of one person, right? It was the secretary of state in Maine who said, uh, I don't like Trump. We're not getting him, whatever the, their rationale and philosophy was. They decided to unilaterally boot Trump off the ballot. And in my opinion, that'll never work, right? It's never the decision of, one likely unelected bureaucrat to decide for everyone in the state, or at least every Republican in the primary, that they won't have an option to vote for that person. That's not your choice, right? That's just not how it works. But Mike in Portland, Maine, WLOB, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce, how are you? I'm doing great, you know, brother. I Happy to originally be here. Co- <laughs> Good. I had originally called you to uh, talk about uh, our esteemed person at Harvard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you had me on hold and I listened to your promo about the border. Yeah. I couldn't think of anybody more than Jimbo Hannon. If there was anything that drove Jim crazy, it was the border situation. Uh-huh. Drove him crazy. You know, I became good friends with him. I was an original caller. Oh, wow. And, uh, well, we ended up becoming friends because we were both Vietnam veterans. Well, thanks for your service, and, uh, sir. We had talked, yeah, we had talked about our service on the radio and all that. And uh, uh, Kathy Johnson, I believe, was his uh, producer, producer at the time. Yeah. And we got together. Yeah, we got together so I could get together with Jim about our service in Vietnam. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, when I heard that promo, that's all I could think of was Jim. He was so furious over this border situation. And he was ahead of it a long time before anybody was. So, uh, uh, by the way, yes, sir. he handed it down to a pretty good guy, I'd say. Oh, that's very kind of you. I think you're covering his tracks pretty good. 
Man, I'm trying. Well, amen to that, and thank you for your service. And tell me, how does it strike you, Mike, um, when you think about the border and what's going on there? Well, uh, you know, when it comes to an old guy like me, uh, I'm a security guy. You know, I'm a retired Force Recon Marine. And then after I left that, I contracted for DOD and Langley. And I got to tell you right now, I'm really, really, and as you well heard from Dr. John Gentry today, the situation that our intelligence agencies are in, Yeah, this is a mess. Yeah, it really is. Mike, I'd love to chat a little more, but we got to take a quick break here and come right back. Mike, you are a patriot. I appreciate the call and your kind words. RIP to Jimbo. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. All right, it's the speed round, and I want to go very quickly to Jane Bowling Green, Kentucky, WKCT. Jane, quickly. Uh, yeah, I was just listening to a, um, well, hi first, Rich. Hi. Um, I was listening to a radio, I mean, a television network um, Monday, and they had some Latinos on there uh, talking to them. And the announcer asked him, why were there so many coming into America like it is now? Uh, we're here to take over America. <laughs> uh, we want the watch to be a minority. Uh, the young people would accept us, but the older white people may not. We would take uh, the guns because of the guns in Mexico. It happens all the time in schools with children. Um, they also would take uh, the homosexual. Well, I got to get a hold of this. I'd love to hear it. I can't really comment on it until I've heard it. But I can tell you, uh, this has been happening for a long time of of the Joe Biden. I had a clip of him saying it right, saying that, you know, white Anglo European stock is becoming a thing in the past. And that's a good thing, folks. Right. Remember him saying that? Uh, and for years, uh, we've heard that the Latinos are going to be the biggest, um, the ma- majority minority. But ultimately, uh, does it have to do with what these people said? I have no idea. Uh, I, I don't believe that. I think it has everything to do with family values and procreation. And that I think Hispanic families have, on average, an extra kid uh, compared to black families or white families. And I think that is really what's driving that. And then you throw in Biden's border crisis and voila, you've got them everywhere. Uh, so... Here we are. Everybody's going to be going to have a lot of new liberty loving Latino amigos. Hopefully they love liberty. Jane, thank you for the call and for the update. I appreciate it. Joe in Salem, Arkansas. I'm going to owe you a call. I appreciate it. Try to give us a call tomorrow if you can. You'll be the first one on the list. Hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night. And God bless you, America. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> 
Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.